0: from Christ Jesus God has saved us from our own sins and redeemed us in the person of Christ Jesus and it is by his guidance his providence his grace and mercy that we are able to successfully navigate our our way through this thing called life may we ever remember that it is not of us it is of him now, I know I'm not the shortest guy to stand up here this morning. That thing is way up there like that. Uh, the psalmist has declared, uh, Psalm 33, verse 20, Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Isn't it good to be able to depend on uh, the Almighty God, who always has our best interest at heart, ever loves and cares for us and for all of God's blessings we ought to be eternally grateful. We want to direct your attention again this morning to the text that was read into our hearing there in Philippians chapter 1. We want to read again there verse number 6. There Paul writes and he says being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Based on uh, the words of the apostle here in Philippians chapter one, we want to use this morning as a subject, the great perfecter. And as we consider the text that we have before us here in Philippians chapter one, Uh, We have given consideration this month as a sub-theme to the fact that God is able. And we have noted that God is able because he has the power to heal, he has the power to change, and he has the power to accomplish. The prevailing thought for this message is that God has the power to finish. And in the context of Paul's encouragement uh, to the Christians at Philippi, the idea is that God is able, he has the power to finish, or, or to help us become all that we need to be in Christ Jesus. It is no wonder then, with that being true, that Paul made the great declaration that we find in this letter in chapter four and verse number 13. You remember Paul says I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And Paul wasn't saying that because he thought Paul was somebody. Paul was saying that because he realized that God has the power to finish. Uh, He wasn't self confident, he was God confident. And when we talk about God working in our lives, how many times have you seen somebody obey the gospel of Christ Jesus, get off to a good start in the Christian walk, but somewhere fall by the wayside. See, a good start can be negated by the inability or failure to finish. But God is on record as being able to finish and finishing that which he begins. In Joshua 21 and verse number 45, The Bible says there, There failed not aught of any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel. All came to pass. God not only started them out of Egypt, the Bible says that he finished everything that he promised by delivering them into the promised land. In Hebrews 12 and verse number 2, there the Hebrew writer says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, if you understand what the Hebrew writer is saying, he says that Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. That that Jesus is the author says that he's the first cause. He's the reason that we have salvation in the first place. And then to say that he finished our faith... It is to say that he brought to completion the salvation that was only anticipated in the Old Testament. It was started by Jesus and finished by Jesus. Along that lines, the Lord identifies himself as a finisher. In Revelation 1 and verse number eight, he says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. Jesus says, it starts and stops with me. I am able to finish what I began. And and that's an important consideration. When we look at the context of the Philippian letter, one of the reasons that Paul wrote to them was to encourage them in the light of the opposition that they were facing. See, Paul himself had faced persecution at Philippi. Uh, You remember Acts chapter 16, uh, when they were there singing and praising God at midnight, that was in Philippi. Paul himself had been persecuted in the very city to which these recipients live, and he could emphasize with their plight. In, in fact, in verse number 28 there in, in chapter one, he says, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation, and that of God. Paul says, I know where you live. I, I've experienced what you are experiencing now, but take heart in the fact that God is able to finish what he starts. And we need to remember when we study our Bibles and, and the story of the people of God in, in, in scripture that their story is our story. We serve the same God they served, and we have the same adversary that they had. Uh, 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 One person uh, uh, declares, and I quote, because there are many dangers which accompany the spiritual life, the life of a Christian is a series of miracles. The Christian frequently finds him or herself surrounded with opposition or assaults by the enemy which threaten to capsize our faith, overwhelm us with troubles, or at least make us ineffective for the kingdom the christian may feel like we're in a battle that we can't win but paul here gives assurance that god's will will be accomplished in our lives so to appreciate of uh, uh, the word from the apostle in the text uh, i believe a definition of terms and an understanding of how god works is in order in verse number 2 there in philippians 1 paul says grace be unto you and peace from god our father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Many people love that first word there in in verse number two, and and for good reason, grace is a good word, especially when you're talking about the grace of God. But I think many people love the word grace for the wrong reasons. See, grace is not God being nice, and don't get me wrong, God is nice, because only a nice God would deal with all of us all the time, all at the same time. But, but grace is not God being nice, and, and then his niceness overlooking our faults and sins. See, God would not be wholly righteous, or just if he did such. When we talk about grace, if you want the technical definition, you hear people say God's unmerited favor. And what that says is that God deals with us, but it has nothing to do with our being worthy of him dealing with us. God deals with us in spite of us. When we talk about something being of grace, that that it is of grace speaks to the fact that it is of God and not of us. Again, in your Bibles, in Titus 2 and verse number 11, Paul declares, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Now, notice what Paul did and did not say in that verse. He did not say that everybody is saved because God is gracious. What he did say is that as a matter of grace, God makes the provision for us to be saved, but we're not just saved because God is a gracious God. There are some things that we must do in obedience to the command of God, a way that we must live in agreement with the will of God, but it wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for the grace of God. When we talk about God's grace... Uh, Appreciate that God's grace does not override or preclude our cooperation. In in other words, we're not saved just because God is gracious. If we were saved simply because God is gracious, nobody would be lost. Because God is no respecter of persons, and what he will do with one, he will do with all. But in Hebrews 12 and verse number 15, the Hebrew writer says, Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Now, notice what the Hebrew writer says. He said it's possible to fail of the grace of God. In other words, just because God is gracious doesn't mean that we'll get what God wants for us. There is yet something that we must do on our part, but appreciate when we say that it is of grace, meaning that if God had not set it in place, then none of this would be possible. Moreover, if Paul believed that the grace of God sealed the deal, in spite of what we do, then there's no reasonable explanation for chapter 3 of Philippians, if Paul believed that. Paul's message is that we get our start in the Christian faith by God's grace, and it's God's grace through his power that will perfect us. Uh, When you stop and think about it, being a Christian is a challenging thing. But Paul said, "But, but it's not up to what we can do. It's by God's grace, God's power working in us, that God is able to make us what we need to be. Uh, there is a book entitled uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Right. Habit number two is said to be begin with the end in mind. Now, now I, I, And I reference this not because God needs man's endorsement, right. it, nor does God get ideas from man. Man gets ideas, if they are good ones, from God. Uh, I want us to be sure how this thing works. We don't ever need a source other than the Bible to confirm that God is right. God doesn't need anybody to come by and say, yes, that's true. It's true because God said so. But but, but if the habits of highly effective people are beginning with the end in mind, then notice how God started with us. In, In Ephesians 1, verse number 4, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and, uh, holy and without blame before him in love. Now, now, if beginning with the end in mind is an effective way to do things, look what the Bible says about God. Uh, you ever read Genesis, uh, Genesis 1-1 says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Well, well Paul tells us here in Ephesians, before that, Before God said, let there be, God already had the end in mind. God already understood that he was going to form us from the dust of ground, and we are just dust, and we would need a savior even before he ever created us. God knew that uh, before the beginning. So you want to talk about beginning with the end in mind, God said before the beginning. You know, okay, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, but God said, but before that, I already had the end in mind. I already had in mind that through Christ Jesus, I would enable you to become everything that you needed to be. So he says in verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. When we stop and think about what grace is and what God is able to do in us, uh, uh, let us consider, number one, that we are saved by grace. Our start with God is by his grace. In, In Ephesians 2, 5, Paul says, even when we were dead in sins, have quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved. Now, Paul is not saying you are saved simply because God is nice. What Paul is saying, you are saved because God decided, even before uh, uh, he said, let there be, God decided that he would redeem us in Christ Jesus. In in Ephesians 2.8, he says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And and again, grace speaks of the divine initiative in salvation. It is not offered to us because we are good or we do good works but it's offered to us because of God's grace. Now you heard me say earlier that God's grace does not override or preclude our cooperation. Now I got that from the Holy Spirit. That's not Ricky Cook making that up. The text there in Ephesians 2.8 does not say that we are saved by grace only, but that we are saved by grace through faith. Now, now understand how this thing works. God has the power to save us But he doesn't take away our choice to be lost. You know, sometimes people just choose to be lost. How do they make that choice? By, By just refusing to obey the gospel. By refusing to live faithfully in Christ Jesus. God doesn't take my choice away. God says, here is the provision. I've set that in place. And you had nothing to do with that. But you have everything to do with whether or not you take advantage of it. Israel of the Old Testament is a prime example of the point Paul is making here. Uh, you remember, if you remember your Old Testament history, uh, in Exodus uh, 3, verses 8 and 9, God declared that he would bring the Israelites out of Egypt into the Promised Land. But what we know, if you read the, Hebrew, uh, uh, read the Old Testament account, is many of the Israelites didn't make it. Now, if God promises them that he's going to bring them out, and that was by grace as well. It had nothing to do with, with the Israelites being worthy, but some of them missed the promised land. Uh, uh, look with me, if you will, uh, Hebrews chapter 3, uh, starting there at verse number 16. Hebrews 3.16 in your Bibles. For some, when they had heard, did provoke. Now you talking about how some of the Israelites just continually murmured. And uh, You know, Korah and Dathan, they're going to take on Moses because they want to be big shots. Uh, and the Israelites, they're just murmuring, we don't have anything to drink. We don't have anything to eat. We can't beat those folk over there because they too big. Uh, they just murmured about one thing after another. The Hebrew writer says, for some, when they had heard, did provoke. Now, what had they heard? God says, I, I, I'm going to bring you up out of the land of Egypt and give you a land that flows with milk and honey. I give you the land. Now, some of them they knew what God had said, but still decided to contradict God. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all of them that came out of Egypt by Moses. I, I love how the Bible just tells the story accurately. Now it wasn't everybody that you know how sometimes we like to exaggerate, exaggerate, nobody loves me. I mean, nobody loves you, you mean nobody? It, it, is John 3.16 wrong all of a sudden? And I think there it says, for God so loved the world. Uh, aren't you part of the world? That means if nobody else loves you, God loves you. Amen. And if don't nobody but God love you, well, hmm. What, what, what might that be saying, if only God loves you? That, that might be more of a commentary on me than it is on the rest of the world. But notice it there, verse 17. But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? Now look what they said. Some of them died in the wilderness. You remember when they were talking about we can't beat those folk over there in the promised land? And God said, you're going to wander here uh, uh, one year for each day that the spies spied out the land. They were over there 40 days. You're going to wander 40 years until everybody 20 years and older died off. Now, this was the same folk Moses had said. God says, I'm going to bring you up out of the land of Egypt and give you the promised land. Some of them didn't make it. Well, but God told them they could because what God had promised did not preclude their cooperation. I'm going to give it to you, but you've got something to do to receive it. Don't you know salvation works the same way? God says, I'm offering it to you, but you've got to do some things to receive it. Verse 18 there, and to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. See, God says, I've set the provision in place, but that doesn't eliminate your responsibility to do what's right. God makes the provision for us in Christ as he did for Israel through Moses. But we can reject God's provision. Yet we are saved by grace. If God hadn't set it in place, we couldn't be saved anyhow. But there's still some things we must do in order to take advantage of what God has set in place. But there's a second consideration uh, uh, from the text. Not only are we saved by grace, but we are led by grace. Now remember, grace means that it is of God and not of us. In In 2 Timothy 2 and verse number 1, Paul says to Timothy, thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul wasn't encouraging Timothy to stand in his own resolve, although we do need to be resolved to stand uh, uh, in the Lord. What Paul was exhorting Timothy to do was to rely on the strength that God provides as a gift, as a matter of grace in Christ Jesus. See, apart from the enabling grace of God, we would never make it through life. And I know this because long ago Jeremiah said, Jeremiah 10:23, "O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. What was Jeremiah saying? Sometimes we act like we grown, but we don't know nearly as much as we try to pass off. It's just not in us, Lord. Apart from your guiding hand, it's not in us to always make right decisions. Apart from your guiding hand, it's not in us to know the best course to choose. Why do you think we pray all the time before we do things? Because my way is not in me. I, I know I need somebody that knows better than me to guide me. Without God's guidance, we are lost. Now, Solomon just just says it a a little more in your faith. Proverbs 16, verse 9. A a man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. I'm so glad that's true. I don't know what to do with myself. You can make up your mind about whatever, but I'm glad ultimately that God is in control and that God is guiding my way. I've made some dumb decisions in my life and you have to cuz you wouldn't have obeyed the gospel of Christ Jesus if you hadn't but i think the dumbest decision is the one that you know is a bad decision even before you make it and i dare say that all of us have made some decisions and i know it's a bad decision before i make it and we go on and make it anyhow and then have the nerve to act like it's not fair for me to suffer the consequences from the decision that I made that I knew was bad before I made it. Yeah, we sure enough need a gracious God to deal with us. But even though I've made some dumb decisions in my life, thankfully, the grace of God, when I listen, because remember, I have a part in this, the grace of God has kept me from putting many of them in motion. You know, sometimes you make a bad decision, but the grace of God will get in your way. You know, I'm just determined to do something that's just in my own worst interest, but the grace of God will spare you. And and, and you never know how the grace of God may be working uh, uh, in your living. I I believe one of the ways that God does that is, is he reaches out to us through his word and through his people. You know, sometimes you make a bad decision and you go tell somebody about the bad decision. You know, and if you got the right kind of relationship with them, they'll tell you that's just the dumbest thing I ever heard. Don't get mad at them, that's the grace of God trying to save you from a bad decision. Yeah, you gonna go out and buy something you can't afford and you haven't even paid for the last thing you can't afford? That's a bad decision. Yeah, thank God that somebody was honest enough to tell me, look, you don't need to get further in debt. Yeah, that's the grace of God keeping me from my own bad decision, if I listen. Because you know, we don't always listen to sound counsel. And then we have the nerve when it blow up on us to come back and tell why you didn't tell me that we haven't done nothing but tell you. Amen. Look, if I wanted to open a can of worms and step deep into it, I'd talk about some of the relationships we're in. Folk were telling you from the beginning, that's a bad decision. Now I can change him. All right. And you keep right on thinking that the only person that ever changed anybody was Christ Jesus. And even Jesus don't change everybody. Some people just decide I'm going to be who I'm going to be. But appreciate that, that, that because God works sometimes through his people, fellowship is a vital part of Christian living because God may, be, God may be using someone I fellowship with as a vessel of his grace. You know, that's why it's good for us to just get together outside of the church building. Yeah, so we can get to know each other. So, so when I'm making one of my bad decisions, you just say, Rick, that just, that just you probably don't want to go there. And I'm gonna thank you. Look, I thank you for being the grace of God in my living. And then third this morning, we are saved by grace, we are led by grace, but we are also kept by grace. We are here at this moment because the grace of God has preserved us. And appreciate God delivers us not only from the things that are without, but thank God that he delivers us from the things that are within. You know, sometimes we just like uh, uh, the culture in in our world today. You know, in our world today, the last thing that people want to do is be accountable. You know, nobody wants to stand up and say, I was wrong. It's always this excuse or that reason or this justification. Sometimes we like to act that way about ourselves. But you know, my biggest problem in life, my biggest problem in life is not you or the world that I live in. My biggest problem in life is me and your biggest problem in life is you. In 2 Corinthians 12, uh, uh, verses 7 through 10, Paul lets us know that that thorn in the flesh that he had was because of Paul. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7, Paul says, and lest I should be exalted above measure. See, Paul said this didn't have nothing to do with anybody else. Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. See, people might have wanted to put Paul on the pedestal, but Paul said it was some things I needed to learn. It was some things that I needed to be reminded of. You know, and there's nothing like accomplishment to induce us to think that we are, in fact, something. You remember Nebuchadnezzar, he walking around looking at his kingdom? Nebuchadnezzar talking about, look at this big kingdom that I have built. Really? Nebuchadnezzar, you ain't built anything. You don't run anything around Babylon but your big mouth. (laughs) Nebuchadnezzar talking about, look what I've done. God said, let me humble you and show you who really builds things uh, uh, around here. Paul said, what I learned... From this thorn in the flesh is that God is at his best when I realize that it's of God and not of me. Paul said when when I acknowledge the fact that I am completely reliant upon God for every breath that I take is then that God can really do some some big things in my living. And I wonder if we are open to the fact that God may be keeping us by his grace when he allows trial or trouble in our living. You ever look at your troubles that way? Maybe it's just the grace of God. Uh, 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 God trying to bless me in, in a certain way. You know, we try to take credit for certain things, but when that right trouble come in your living, you know, sometimes i sometime I'll say, you know, I can handle this. Now I can't, but, but sometimes i say that I can handle this thing. You know, but sometimes that right trouble come in your life and you just realize that was all God. God, I didn't see that thing coming. I didn't know what to do while it was here. I'm just glad it was gone and that was nothing but the grace of God. And if you stop and think about it, trouble will bless us in a way that those things that make us smile won't. Man, trouble will boost your prayer life. You ever prayed over a blessing that will make you smile like you prayed over trouble? And I'm not saying we're not grateful, but I'm telling man, trouble will have you lay flat down on the ground and beg God for mercy. Anybody here something made you smile ever had that kind of influence on you? I just, I just laid down on the ground and prostrated myself before the Lord. Now, I ain't saying blessings that make you smile can't bless you. I'm glad God has some of both in his storehouse. But man, trouble will boost your prayer life like nothing. Trouble will have you asking folk to pray for you. (laughs) Look, I'm praying for me, you pray for me, and look, if you go visit another congregation, ask them to pray for me too. God can use anything as a matter of grace in our living. Grace means it is of God and not of us. It does not mean that God wipes away the rules because we don't want what we have coming. It means that it is of God and not of me. We are able to make it through life because our way is dictated by God and not by us. We are able to be faithful in his service because our power comes from God and not from us. And, you know, if that weren't true, I think living in this world we live in, we'd probably all lose our minds. You know, you don't have to watch the news but once or twice. And if if God wasn't in control, I think you'd just dig a hole and jump in. But thank God for his grace that is able to finish in us everything that we need to be to be faithful in his service. And as Paul said, his power will keep us until the coming of the Lord Jesus. That means until Jesus comes back again, or such time as God decides my time here on earth is done. Whichever comes for God has the power to see me through, and it's all by his grace. God calls us into Christ Jesus as a matter of grace. Uh, requires that we hear the good news that Jesus died for our sins, Romans 10, 17, that we believe Jesus to be the Christ, John 8, verse 24, that we be willing to repent of sin, Luke 13, 3, Luke 13, 5, that we make the confession of faith in Christ Jesus, Matthew 10, verse 32, and then because of God's grace, the opportunity is afforded to us to be baptized in Christ Jesus for the remission of sins, That God might adopt us into his family, wash away our sins by the blood of Christ Jesus, and indwell us with his spirit. All of that is by grace. But thereafter, God requires that we live obediently in his service. And then in that final day, we'll be able to hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. But even that will be a matter of grace. Perhaps you're here this morning, you want to respond to the invitation, or you want the church to pray for you. And if either of these are the case, then we bid you to come as we stand and as we sing the song of invitation.